Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to the Cultural Studies Podcast. I'm with a new friend of at least nine minutes vintage, uh, Alison Tickell. And Alison, I've got your name pronounced correctly. You have indeed. That's okay. And we are in, where are we? We're in the Bush Theatre. We're in the Bush Theatre in um, Shepherd's Bush in London. Um, It's one of the 15 or so producing theatres in London. That means that it uh, commissions and produces its own work. It doesn't receive plays. And we've been here since it moved into this particular building, which is an old, rather lovely library that's now being converted um, into a theatre. Um, and we've been here for some three years. It's lovely being part of, a, of an arts organisation. And the we is Julie's bicycle. Indeed, yeah. Can you share with the group? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name's Alison. <laughs> I'm from Julie's Bicycle. Tell us about yes. Julie's Bicycle and tell us about what you do. You, okay. you personally and also it. So, um, I'll start with Julie's Bicycle. So, Julie's Bicycle's got nothing to do with its name. It's actually, uh, it's a charity, um, and we work across the um, creative industries, but particularly the arts and cultural sector, um, on environmental sustainability, and I'll Mm. tell you what that means. Um, Mm. It means that we work um, directly with all sorts of organisations and groups of organisations, first and um, firstly to um, help them to become more sustainable, mm-hmm. lower their carbon, develop um, new, uh, new business models, business infrastructures that will actually um, cut, their, cut their carbon, reduce their environmental impact, um, basically respond more creatively to our environmental challenges. Um, we do a lot of data gathering, so we, we have some free carbon calculators that are out there, um, being used by almost 3,000 creative organisations from all over the world. Um, if anybody wants to have a go, you can go. They're IG tools, so IG-tools.com. And they will give you an instant readout of your environmental impact if you're a creative organisation. Um, we do an awful lot of building networks, bringing together communities of theatres or of artists or of music festivals to work together, to collaborate on some big ideas and also to hothouse um, what works. Um, so we get a lot of people um, coming together um, talking creatively about this. And we also do a lot of um, stretch. So what does a really exciting uh, future based on, on sustainable principles look like for the creative industries? Mm. So rather than just measuring our carbon, it's actually about predetermining um, our future. What do we want to look like? What's our responsibility mm-hmm. to the natural world? What's our responsibility to the creative world? Um, so that's much more ideas. One of the things I really like about Julie's Bicycle is that you do research. We do. And you publish it. We do. So for those of us who are in other countries or in other fields, we actually have a clue about what you do. (laughs) With most charities in Britain or NGOs, non-government organisations, whatever we call them, it's actually quite hard to know what they really do. Yeah. But you enable us to see that and for people who are interested in research like myself to draw on not only the tools you've developed in concert with your partners, but actually what you found out. That was very important to us, and it's really great that you noticed 
because when we started some seven years ago, there was um, an immediate response to this from many of the people that I was working with from the, the arts and culture was essentially what's environmental sustainability got to do with us? It's about dreadful people who do steel and cars and exactly. construction and mining and aeroplanes and we have people walking Heavy out on industry. stage uh, with funny hairdos holding odd props exactly. and being creative. Exactly. So go away and why are you bothering us? Exactly. You know? So what we had to do was, um, first of all, to prove what it had to do with everybody. Mm. Um, and also, um, we had to help people work out through the research um, what our response to that was going to be. So the research mm. has been absolutely critical, mm. not just in terms of making the case, but also enabling us to work out what our best, most effective um, and most ambitious responses might be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, what we now do is we research pretty much everything that we, um, we then want to go and do something about. Because having an empirical basis to the work mm. uh, makes all the difference. It does mean that we do an awful lot less time wasting than we might do otherwise. So when you do a consultancy, in a yeah. sense, yeah. you don't come in and say either, here's a model that works for everybody, or... We know nothing we're here to find out. You actually go in knowing quite a bit, but flexible enough to see what the needs are of that entity. Is that Absolutely the idea? right, yeah. yes. Yeah. And I think that's very important both for the individual organisation, but yeah. actually what Julie's Bicycle, uh, what we're really interested in is what is the big response that we can make. We're mm. an extraordinary collection of industries, the creative industries. If you include the whole group of industries, you, you're working from design right mm. through music, fashion, architecture, um, film, broadcasting, mm. then right through the arts and culture, which is obviously it's theatre, it's dance, it's visual arts, um, right into museums and heritage. So there's an extraordinary collection there It's a, of, of creative endeavour and of a, a, a very mm. large, important creative community who together could move mountains around um, not just designing new ideas for the future, mm. um, but also actually having an extraordinary reach on um, in, into people's feelings, into their thoughts, into their lifestyles, and into their behaviours, which actually together um, could have quite a dramatic effect on how we think and feel about the world that we live in. So community gathering is terribly important to us. We've done an awful lot of it. And having a really firm foundation in which we can then talk to a community and uh, um, ask them, actually, to respond positively to this Mm. quite complex issue around environmental sustainability is absolutely critical and that's again all about research and data and tell me when you had these conversations seven years ago yeah with skeptical or speculative or puzzled folks running theatres and record industry mm. labels and so on what did you say to them to convince them uh there's a good question so um the, the 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 collection of responses is uh, I had to have lo- as many responses as the people the number of people I was talking to, and I still have to use that actually. So the collection of responses varies from 
um, from a moral and an ethical um, context setting that, that actually has got more serious over the last seven years in the context of um, the amount of work that needs to be done and the scale of um, our response that's needed just to address climate change um, right through to the business case um, and the governance case. So um, we've, we've used an enormous number of reasons to, to, to respond to people's doubts, to make it business and uh, ethically critical that mm. people can become part of a big movement of change mm. and feel mm. that they've actually got contributions to make from it and can benefit from it. So uh, we'll talk about reputational risk, reputational advantage, mm. Mm. we'll talk about peer pressure, we'll talk about being ahead of the curve, we'll talk about efficiencies in bottom line financing, we'll talk about investment, we'll talk about relationships with audiences, we'll talk about mm. it as a wonderful, mm. perhaps the most exciting existential subject for artistic exploration that mm. there is actually. So whatever it takes, God, we'll I, use it. If I had my checkbook, I'd be reaching for it, except <laughs> nobody uses checks No. Well, let me put a real world dilemma to you. Yeah. And I've no idea whether this relates to an entity you guys have worked with or might wish mm -hmm. to. So if you want to pass on it, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Nicholas Sorota, mm -hmm. who is, I guess, amongst the most famous museum yeah. directors in the world, is the director of the Tate Modern. And in addition to that, he is somebody who helps to, I suppose, set the tone for yes. what major cultural institutions in the wealthy countries do in lots of areas. Yes. One environmental contribution that Sorota has made, am I pronouncing his name correctly, you are, by the way, yeah. is that he's pioneered the understanding that you don't have to have massive air conditioning all the time in order to stabilise the environment for the great works, and yeah. that a lot of unnecessary money, but also energy, has been used historically over the last century of air conditioning to do yes. just that, and you don't have to do it. Yeah. But he's also responsible for allowing BP yep. to, which is one of the environmental criminals of the world, to sponsor yep. uh, things that partake modern. And, of course, when their particular disgrace in the Gulf happened, uh, he notoriously said, we don't abandon our friends. Yes. Now, I'm not asking you to judge him. I'm setting this up as an interesting dilemma between, on the one yeah. hand, a truly pioneering development that is mm -hmm. changing the way the world works in terms of museum technology. Yep. It's terribly important. And on the other, deals for mates. Yes. So I will comment like on it because, because yeah. it's becoming um, a really critical issue across the arts. Um, and it goes, at the, the, the nub of it is sponsorship. What, mm. what, um, uh, what is happening around and whether or not ethical sponsorship um, should be taking place in the arts. And so what's happened at the Tate, which Tate is, uh, is sponsored by BP, as are several other large arts institutions. Um, so, uh, but Tate is particularly in the firing line because they have, as the chair of their board, um, they have... And uh, uh, the 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 ex head of one of the big oil companies, um, and so it is. It's a very live debate. Mm. Uh, what what do we do? Especially here in Britain, and people around the world report on 
what's going on here over this debate, yes. actually. It has astonishing yes. purchase in Latin America, I know in particular. Yes. BP and Shell and the arms. And indeed, in, just to sort of widen it, um, but I will come back to it, mm. there is in this country, as you will know, there's a very big campaign called the Divestment mm. Campaign that's being run by the Guardian newspaper, which is um, exhorting as many companies as possible to divest from um, their investments in fossil fuel companies, but notably the Wellcome Trust and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And the Wellcome Trust, by the way, is Wellcome as in GlaxoSmithKline. Wellcome, yes. It's, but, it's, it's, but it's independent, like, say, the Ford or Rockefeller Foundation. Yes, it is. Yeah. So there is a movement in this country mm. in, in, at the moment which is saying, well, what constitutes sponsorship? Mm. Should money be going from fossil fuel companies into the arts or indeed any of our other sort of publicly important and uh, uh, contributory organisations, charities. My own view on it is somewhat um, Catholic. I think that we're at a moment of change where the public um, awareness of discourse on um, climate change on how we transit from being currently very fossil fuel dependent as an economy to something that is, has got to very rapidly be very different. Um, we're at a cusp moment and th there's a spectrum of response. Um, the, the question is where is cultural leadership sitting in this? Mm. Um, mm. There, I'm, I'm a bit more... Um, forgiving, I think, probably, of the dilemmas for the likes of the Tate um, mm. and others that are in this space, because I think there are... We need to allow for a period of transition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I don't buy is the argument that uh, it is impossible to replace funds, sponsorship funds, from one source to another. I think that there is what we, we need is a strategy, we need a plan, just as you would replace any kind of funding that you lose from one funding source to another, you need to, to think ahead. And I suspect that over time um, there will come a point at which reputational risk will outweigh um, financial gain. And that's what the, the campaigning movement around divestment is relying on. Um, we're not there yet, um, and I think that actually, just to take the Tate, I think the Tate and indeed Sorota have has managed to balance this pretty well thus far. One of the most famous moments was when there was a uh, some the the winds of a, the, the blades of a turbine, a wind turbine, which was put outside. Tate as a protest, which um, Sorota took in and used as an exhibit. Um, and I think thereby uh, positioning this as something that is very difficult, very challenging, but something that actually the Tate is not walking away from. Mm. It's, it's, mm. So I, I think we're in a transition. Can I just, just the, the last point is that I think there needs to be space. So my own view and the view of Judy's Bicycle is that one of the problems we face um, is that how we solve things tends to be oppositional. Uh, we, we, 
a, it, we tend to polarise a debate. Now, there's an incredibly important function around that, which is that a debate needs to have all extremes covered. Um, and there need to be uh, arguments occupying all ends of a spectrum. Where Julie's bicycle sits on that spectrum, um, and where I sit, actually, is that what we need to do to solve our environmental issues and to transit from being where we are now into a world that is much more equitably sustainable mm. is to build communities of inspiration around this. And that um, our role along that spectrum is to community gather, is to encourage, is to inspire... Mm. Um, and to take the greater rather than the few with us, if we possibly can. So, um, so while I think there is absolutely a critical place for all, for all of this, this whole conversation around where do you sit on ethical sponsorship, um, there's a place for all the extremes. Our place... <laughs> Mm. is pretty much is around let's gather and let's go along this road together mm. Mm. can we go back 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 as I see in baseball commentary to yes. the seven year itch mm. again were you here right at the beginning I was you were. so what was the itch that got you all going okay the itch which started me off was this recognition that there was this great looming existential problem actual set of problems that uh, for an industry uh, and I talk uh, I started the music industry for an industry that had a huge amount of entrepreneurial zeal and flair mm -hmm. and extraordinary global reach for an, for that industry we needed to be doing something other than just putting on the big gig um, which is what we tended to do and that we needed this is if any of these if any response is required for this one, it's a doing response. It's um, get off our haunches and do. We need to act and lead by example and by doing. And that actually um, putting on a gig, a gig is a great thing, but it's just not commensurate with the issue. So um, there was a very strong sense that we could be doing so much more mm. and an understanding that actually there was an appetite to do it. So that was my, my, my itch was a combination of really understanding that the, the issue needed to be dealt with differently. And can I ask, were you, you were in the music industry, is that what you were saying? Is that your, I've, I've, that's the I was working, I first associated with Julie's Bicycle yeah, for some that's reason. Right. I was working with the industry. Oh. I, wasn't, I, I wasn't making records per se, but I was working with the industry on... Um, on it, on a range of issues, yeah. mainly to do with education and social inclusion. Uh, uh -huh. and, and so then you think this environmental issue is big and that's got to be the focal point. Yes. So you gather a community, to use I your did. expression, and Julie comes into town on her bicycle? Something like Who? that. Julie. I need to know the origin of this. <laughs> so we started Julie's Bicycle by... I took a, front, uh, a bunch of music industry colleagues to a restaurant called Julie's um, and I arrived on a bike and by the end of it we'd come up with the, with the company but we were, I was also with music industry people who were used to naming bands so 
So the most important thing, if if they'd been bureaucrats, it would have been an acronym. It would have been green something, <laughs> or low carbon, or whatever. But that's how, that's how it happened, and it stuck very quickly. It stuck. Um, so that's where that comes from. It's very that's, that is a fabulous origin. <laughs> so they already on side because they know you and they trust you. You make a pitch, and they can see actually this makes sense. Yes. Yeah? Yes, and that's yes. where it sort of begins, no? So it does. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I was fortunate enough to work with some um, some great people from the industry who mm. were both bright and, and keen and intelligent, and also were able to bring in more people. And so the, the very first thing we did, which was uh, first of all, we commissioned <laughs> the Oxford University to do a carbon footprint of the music industry, and what that did was to root the activities of the industry in science and data. And the second thing I did was to hold a breakfast and um, for quite senior players, and we got the former head of the British Antarctic Survey, a guy called Professor Chris Rapley, to come and give a presentation. Um, and he was able to hand around pieces of 600,000-year-old ice from the ice core. Um, which just gave a really sort of, this is real, this is, uh, um, there is a historical depth and breadth to this that makes your work and your data really matter. I think the technical expression is, this shit is real. Couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> the advantage of podcast Absolutely. censorship and values and practice, standards and practice <laughs> departments. That is fabulous. And so you were in this sense, coming in at the top end. Yes. This is, this is not grassroots. This is, I know big wigs. In the first instance, Oxford it was, or not. yeah. But I don't associate Julie's Bicycle in the couple of three years that I've been following it as an interested but distant observer with elites. I associate it with small, medium and large organisations that want some help to change. Yeah. Is that right? It is right. So this is just about organisational stages. It's interesting that you should say that. So we started um, and tend to start at the beginning with working with a, a collection of people with seniority because it confers budget and status um, mm. on actions. So that was why we started there. Yep. But for it to be effective, it absolutely has to cascade into mm. broader communities and a much greater call to, call to action. So um, we started with that lot and with, seen, with top level research. Out of those, those two mm. interventions, which is senior people and top level research, since then we've been able to um, really gather a much larger community mm -hmm. around us, yeah. but also been able to develop a huge amount amount of resources so top tips and guides and I mean our website's actually chock-a-block with um, resources that have been accessed by people from 179 countries so there is a real interest there but interestingly so we're now going back to that senior leadership because that whole first period of seven years it's interesting you talk about seven year itch because we're back at the itchy stage now that whole first phase was really about making, developing the research base, making the case, mm. creating a, a comprehensive and very replicable set of resources, developing the data, all of that body of intelligence and large community around mm. it. 
to change the conversation and to change our sort of our basic starting points. And mm. I think that that's happened, not entirely down to JB. It's been there's been a super community of other organisations and um, and experts around it. But now we've got to up the ante again mm. and mm. go back to that leadership um, and start to make I think much more noise. Uh, We've got to amplify our, our voices and um, get out there and uh, really stretch our ambition. So we're back. At, it feels a bit like we were when we started. Now, why is that? Um, I think because we. It, it's about the scale of the response has been super, but it's about now. It's about changing what normal looks like. So we've now got to a point. In the UK, it's now a requirement from the Arts Council, which is our big public funding body, to measure their environmental mm, impacts yeah, yeah. and to have an environmental policy in place. Small measures, but they've had very dramatic effects on the nature of the response. So now, what's, what does cultural leadership look like? That's what we need to ask ourselves. And is cultural leadership um, at the scale of uh, an ambition that it needs to be and the answer is absolutely not mm. we've got to you know because we have a we, we're an extraordinary community globally we have to I think invent much more interesting um, ideas solutions networks um, around these issues these many issues to do with sustainability and climate change we have to unify as an international community um, we have to amplify what we're doing. We have to case study much more. We have to get many more voices, big voices out there. Um, st- because we've got to change the political conversation. We've got to do this. Mm, so, mm. so I think uh, now we're into a, into a, uh, we're not, it's not so much about making a noise about the evidence case. It's now making a noise about getting inspirational and aspirational and making a noise about changing how we feel around climate change and sustainability. Now, can I ask you about the different types and scales of institutions and the way they respond to this message? So, for instance, do you see a distinction when you're dealing with for-profit versus not-for-profit versus state entities or arm's length you know in other words Polydor if it still exists the BBC and Bush Theatre you know very different scales and different business goals Um, a little bit but it won't surprise you to know that um, everybody feels pretty poor so whatever you know whatever sort of point they're at and interestingly what we found is that um, our, our starting point is always if somebody wants to do something, wherever they come from, we need to make it possible Great. to do it. Great. Um, so we, we have almost all our resources are free and they are accessed by all sorts of people. Mm. We also, if people from tiny organisations come to us, we will always try and make it possible. In fact, we always make it possible for them to access support and help. And um, that might be through t- 
telling them where to look or providing a pack for them that's going to be specific to their needs or being on the end of a phone or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, with bigger companies, we, um, we expect a little bit more from them, I think, mm. um, because very often they can, uh, they can afford to do more and to work a bit harder, which will then benefit the smaller companies. And we do also have a fair bit of our funding comes from consultancy. So if a big company comes to us and wants us to work with them, which quite a few do, we will always charge for our services yeah. on that. By the way, I'm paying like 100 bucks an hour for this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she laughs. Um, I know you, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but this is fascinating me. And I wondered if you could give us a, for instance, not necessarily naming any company mm-hmm. or not-for-profit, but that says, okay, from go to woe, what happens? They ring you up or they write you an email. And you, who is you? What, what happens? Who goes where? And what do they physically do? Okay, Take so what your do, pick of an industry. Yeah, okay. So is that what, what do we do? Yeah. Okay, so I'll give you an idea of some of our activities. We've got two teams, um, both of whom work very closely together. So uh, they're not really totally dis- distinct, but one of whom are made up of, of environmental sustainability experts, so they're people who've, um, who've got training and expertise in environmental technologies, in sustainability, mm. in science. The other are from the creative or cultural sector. So those two areas of expertise are able to respond to, for, for example, a theatre might phone up and say they want to look at their, their building infrastructure. So we'll go in and we'll do a complete walk around and we'll look at things that might help um, to reduce their impacts, maybe um, some behaviour change amongst the staff team or it might be some, uh, some ref- refurbishments or it might be uh, some sort of investment that they might put in new technologies. Very often, um, with small companies or even reasonably large companies across the creative industries, there are clusters that come together. So we're working with quite a lot of clusters. We work um, in London with some clusters, in Manchester, in Newcastle, with Creative Carbon Scotland. And that's about working with groups of organisations who can define what it is that they want to do. And we can help to curate that conversation. Um, Very often we find increasingly, and and this is true internationally actually because we do a lot of international work, the more you can prompt other people to define what they really want to do, the more effective it is going to be because people will feel that it's appropriate, it's relevant, they've owned it, it's their ideas. We can help to to create a framework for those conversations to take place. And it sounds glib, but it is true that really our job is... To, to inspire and create a context in which people can be ambitious, but it is to let them get on with it and to leave. So that's why our work, we try to be as strategic as we can mm, mm. because it's about cultural shift, this. It's not about Julie's Bicycle becoming an organisation that just goes on and on inevitably and interminably. Mm. Um, doing people's jobs for them around this. It is actually about enabling and um, facilitating organisations to get to, to, to develop cultural, a cultural shift. And again, without asking you to name identities or entities, 
Have you had responses that are very negative, very cynical, as well as very welcoming and exciting? Oh, sure. Oh, yes, lots of those. I mean, part of our job is to is endlessly to persuade, and an awful lot of that is nagging and convincing. Um, so yes, I mean, the, 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 they vary. The, the most the, the most common is this has got nothing to do with me. Um, although that has changed hugely since we've been um, working. Uh, more and more people are recognising that this is an opportunity, it's not a, a problem, but that is still there. And also I think one of the most interesting things that we've done recently is we did a survey about a year ago, we'll do another one this year, where we asked um, about 350 organisations of all colours and descriptions and funding bases um, where the leadership was coming from and we found that almost all the leadership around environment and sustainability in arts organisations with some notable exceptions, exceptions but the, the majority of it is coming from the middle of organisations not the top that boards and governing bodies uh, consider climate change and sustainability to be pretty irrelevant to be honest so that's for us a real challenge um, and that always no I'm too emphatic mainly finance and bottom line accounting comes top of every metric mm -hmm. so our job is to make the link between the business case the artistic case um, with all of this um, and the future case I've got two more questions and then I want to give you a chance to add anything you, you wish. The first question is to get you back where you began, mm. where you said, and I'll tell you about environmental sustainability in a moment, and I wondered if you could yeah, of course. tell us a wee bit about yeah. that. Okay, so um, I think when I mentioned that, I, I, I was talking about how we approach it, um, unless you want me to, to go into why the sort of metrics of environmental sustainability. But what we cover is um, our work covers um, museums. Is this the right? Is this what you you're looking at? Um, the the kind of activities. Um, it's performing arts. It's buildings. It's outdoor events. It's all the festivals. It's tours. It's productions. That's music productions. It's theatre productions. Um, we. It's art galleries. It's exhibitions. It's occasionally the odd thing like CDs. So it's the nuts and bolts of, of arts and culture. And what we look at is we look at energy, water, waste, um, travel and freighting and all of that. So, so basically there's sort of what's known as the greenhouse gas protocol scopes one to three. Um, and we, we, but we also crucially, we look at people and how, um, how this fits in with people and their, their behaviours, their attitudes, particularly artists, and how content, artistic content um, and commissioning can really shape a different way of thinking and feeling about these issues. So um, it's, what we're trying to do is to combine the nuts and bolts of all of this stuff, which many great organisations in the environmental sustainability movement are doing with the particularities of why people are interested in creativity in the arts. Now, you've touched on something that is my second and last question before, as I say, I throw it back to you, which is 
I suppose, the question of consciousness mm. and content. Because one of the things that I see being a difficulty for people from the beginnings of anxiety about pollution, as it was once mm. called in really the 1960s, Silent yeah. Spring, etc., through to the foundation of the Environmental Protection Agency yeah. in 1970, all the rest of it. Earth Day, the view from the moon, etc. Is that there's a sort of scolding, nag? You said nagging, and I think scolding, and I see a finger wagging yeah, and telling me not to do this and not to do that. And I make part of my living flying around the world, yeah. telling people yeah. not to make a living by flying around the world. Yeah. So I'm well aware of people saying to me, stop wagging your finger at me. Yeah. And what about you and what you're doing? And I think those are good points. And part of the other issue, it seems to me, is that there can be a negativity and even a boredom. We've yeah. heard all this before. We've made us feel terrible about ourselves. I want to go home in my limo yeah. now and have fun with my yeah. children, yeah. whatever it is. And it seems to me there has to be a humour mm. and a pleasure Absolutely. in environmental content and its presentation. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that side of yeah. it too, which I know is not what Julie's bicycle sets out to do, but it seems to me, in terms of your new seven-year itch and the desire to get elites to treat this more seriously in general in cultural institutions, that's got to be pretty crucial. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think the nagging is... I think the days are gone, actually. I think... Uh, I think of, of us personally doing it. I think... Um, we are, it's, we're at a very interesting point now, I think, um, in this whole wonderful story. Our starting point, JB's starting point, was to say, OK, what's the best approach to this? Um, dealing with this, bearing in mind that we are the arts and culture. And this is about feel, it's about experience, mm. both a communal mm. experience... Mm. Mm. And also an individual experience. Um, it's about how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about life. You know, it's a really interesting area. Um, and through that, it's about lifestyle and identity and all of that sort of stuff. So how do we best do this? My view at the time, and it remains so, and it's finally sort of, I think, become, parts of it are becoming very clear that it's true, is that if you do, if you do you start to feel and think differently. And there's, a, there's another side of that, which is that if you feel and think differently, you start to do differently. Our approach has been the do. And my own personal view and my own personal journey over the last seven years has been a radical and profound shift in consciousness, uh, existential consciousness. I've, I am an utterly different person to the person I was when I founded this. I have far more... Um, far more accessible feel around the environment. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a very, very, very deep green now. Having said that, I do occasionally fly and all of that, but I feel more and more passionately about it, um, more and more moved by it, and more and more urgent about it. And I think that ultimately all of us have to go through this change of consciousness. It's not simply, a, 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 and, it's, and it's not reduced to changes in behaviour. So you, Toby, you saying, I fly around the world. Many of us lead lives, lifestyles that might be contributing to, in, in material terms, to the issue. 
That's where culture can come in, is to start to prompt changes in consciousness which allow us to think and feel all the complexity, all the contradiction, all the move, all the emotion mm. around dealing with this issue that actually is just, it's, it's latent, it's with us. And it gives us a much, much more profound relationship to this issue which is what is actually needed. Of course, we all need to deal practically with um, our real material impacts, but we also need to start to develop a, a different, a whole different consciousness of who we are in relation to one another, in relation to the planet, which takes time and um, is a process that cannot be forced. But I think culture, has got a really, really critical mm -hmm. role to play in that. Alison, is there something you'd like to add that we haven't touched on? Part of the picture that you realise, if you were having your ideal dinner party with all the men and women of the world who could change this, you'd want to add, because they are all dedicated subscribers to the podcast, as you can imagine. Of course. So, I, I mean, I, I think I would just like to finish on a very optimistic note, mm -hmm. actually. Um, my, I, I, I feel so much that the, the forces of change are upon us. We've got these, this wonderful moment in December for the, the next big round of climate negotiations, COP21, and there's a, there's a wonderful arts movement developing called Art COP21. Um, and I, I, I think this is not just about the dystopia of climate change and species extinctions and what we hear about all the time. It is also this wonderful moment to reconnect with a part of ourselves and our, 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 our awareness as human beings to one mm. another and to ourselves that really is um, quite extraordinarily lucky to be living today. And that um, we need to recognise that this is the trip of a lifetime. And I'm really excited that the more and more people I see getting to become part of this, get infected by this extraordinary well, moment. we're speaking five days after the papal encyclical. Indeed. And you mentioned being Catholic, which was lowercase c, but it is an inspirational document. It's quite extraordinary. Inspirational document. And it, it's, it's setting down a marker in the sand mm. that means that all of these difficult conversations around divestment or sponsorship or what do I do or governance or mm. they can be had mm. in a new mm. way and mm. the, the point mm. is, is that I think we're at a point where we can start to determine and craft a world which has actually got an ethics, ethical core that we haven't seen for a while and that is really exciting. And Alison, people wanting to find out more about Julie's bicycle, where do they go? www.juliesbicycle.com, all lowercase. And they don't have to worry about an apostrophe between No, nothing e and complicated, nothing like, that. like that. Yes. It's been wonderful meeting you, thank you so much. Well, you're thank as, you. As inspirational as your organisation has been to me as an outsider for the three years I've been following it, and it's really exciting, and I want to invite you back at at the end of the next seven-year itch, <laughs> once you've fully scratched it, perhaps, find out. perhaps we won't be needed. At no, that point. perhaps it'll be, you know, a surrey with a fringe on top Absolutely. instead of a bicycle. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you.